podcast is called Low Places, Higher Purpose. And pretty much we really, we just want to hear your story. And then we just want to get into it and just figure it out. But then I have, a, I kind of have a past. My little brother's here. He's got a past. Hector's got a past. Sam's got a past. Oh, Lord, we all got we, a past. We got a past. Good God. But I was thinking last night, uh-huh. like what? And I was like, what else could low places mean? And I was listening. I can't remember. I was, I was listening to, uh, I think I was in John. Maybe it wasn't John. I think it was John. And it was like the only, like God humbles the pride of man. God takes you to that low place. So we, we, we say low places means like terrible things we've done, but at the same time, God humbles you to be able to reach that higher place mm-hmm. and to be able to, to partner with him because he's not going to be, he's not going to want to partner with someone that's prideful and wants it to be all about him or wants it to be all about them, if that makes sense. So, but bro, we're just going to hop in. Do you know what? I was in a, I was in Oklahoma and there's a guy, man, I totally blanked on his name. But he told me to follow you. Really? And so I was like, oh. he was like, you need to follow this guy. And I was like, okay. So I, and I was like, oh, he follows me already. And he was like, oh, great. And then you DM me like the next day. And I was like, oh, no way. That's God, bro. Cool. That panned out. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been in the game of just being in ministry, preaching, speaking, teaching, all that? Um, I started like preaching like right after I got saved. Mm. So I was 14. I started a Bible study and immediately started teaching. But like online stuff and how that branched out. I was 16. I'm 19 now, almost 20. Uh, so it was like spring 2019, and I started getting followers on TikTok. And then, uh, yeah. You just started posting videos on just biblical stuff, kind of preaching from your phone in your house. Yeah, and it took it's, off. It's a number of things. Like uh, when I first started, it was like comedy, basically, because <laughs> that was all really TikTok was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Dances. Yeah. And then, like, I remember Easter. 2019 i was like yo i'm a christian and i'm just gonna make videos to christian songs because i don't know how else to like i don't i know there wasn't christian tiktok wasn't a thing nobody was preaching and so it was kind of like that was as far as it went but i definitely was like preaching behind the scenes like in person and stuff like that i preached my first like i'd shared my testimony in front of people a number of times first time i ever shared my testimony I was 13 and it was in front of 80 people. So I was in, like, I had never told my life story to anyone. And then it was like 80 people. And so the whole like public speaking thing kind of runs in my family. All the men in my family have like do that for a li- like not ministry, but I mean, my, my dad's an elder in my church and my grandpa's an evangelist. But like when, the way they make money is through like their salesmen and seminars. And so they're always in front of people basically. Mm. And so I've always been super chill with it. Um, so I shared my testimony a bunch of times and then preached my first sermon, like right after I turned 16, which is like a couple months before I started blowing up on TikTok. So I was preaching, teaching all this stuff. And then there became a moment where I was like, how do I strategize how to do this online? And, uh, July, 2019, I did some like apologetics videos. Like I was super into that at the time. And so Mm -hmm. it was like a scientific proof of god's existence and uh like historical the historical validity of the scripture and stuff yes so i was super into that at the time and then those videos were like taking off like blew up like some of the biggest videos i've ever made to this day like Mm. all of them are like two three million plus like going crazy and so i was like dang i should probably capitalize on this (laughs) so i went live that night just to see how many people would join and it was like almost a it was like 950 people and 
they all just wanted to argue. And then someone was like, what was your testimony? So I just shared my testimony and then I shared the gospel and like 400 people got saved. And I was like, all right, so there's something here. That's awesome. So that week I went live like every night, every day. Like I, okay, I just have to get on here and like preach all the time. And then I started doing like a weekly Bible study and people get saved every single week. So when did you, when did you get into ministry? Me? Yeah. Bro, I was pastor's kid, hated church. <laughs> Give me like, it was like a, two years ago. <laughs> not, not a PK. I was and a everybody, PK, bro. Everybody thinks I'm a, they always ask me about PK. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't think I give off PK vibes. They're weird for thinking that. But no, my, <laughs> my, like, my dad, my family, like, we, I grew up going to church, but my parents were alcoholics, mm-hmm. like, super heavily. Um, and so my relationship with my parents was super bad. I loved church growing up. Right. Like, loved it. Um, but I was not a PK by any means. Yeah. Uh, but my parents are super involved now. Like, they got saved right around the same time as me. Dude, that's so awesome. So, like, it's pretty dope. But, Dude, we we just Joe Rogan it and just <coughs> hopped right in. Yeah. But hey, LPHP with JB and AP. AP's not here right now. He's back in Texas. We <laughs> love him. So Hector's filling in. And we got Elijah Lamb with us. We're so excited. But man, we're just gonna hop in. We just want to hear your story up front. Like just tell us. It's probably a lot. You're 19 years old. So many years. So many. I'm so old. So many. <laughs> So, dude, just tell us, like, tell it. We already kind of talked a little bit about it, but like, tell us about your childhood, like, things that you've you've gone through, like, how God rocked your life, like, what did that look like? Yeah. Um. So i I was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. Ooh. Right. Everyone's favorite place. You think of all the exciting <laughs> places in Lincoln's. It. Yeah. There's this TikTok that blew up a while ago, and it was like, if you're not from. New York, California, Florida, Texas, or Nebraska. What are you doing? And all the comments were like, he tried to slip Nebraska in there. Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, but yeah, I'm from Nebraska. Um, I moved to Orlando, Florida when I was right about to turn seven. So I'm a Floridian. Got it. Florida jit, as we, as we say. Florida. Florida jit. Um, a Florida man, like through and through. Yep. Swim with alligators in the whole whole nine dude you need to you need to do like a youth convention or something and kodak black introduces you to the show that do you know how amazing that would be that would be that would be like my dream come true bro the room would shake do you know who kodak black, kodak black is my name kodak black and when you see me <laughs> i'm white bro the, <laughs> the room would shake dog i, I love that kid. i love him too I bro i love him dude i love kodak yeah florida Man. rappers they're so good um <laughs> and kodak was like that that guy when i was in middle school Amongst other people. But, uh, yeah, so I moved to Florida when I was, like, seven. Uh, been, so I've been going to the same church basically my whole life. Um, we, my family, and I went to, like, a couple churches when we first got to Florida. And then the one I'm, I've am i been at, well, I live in L.A. now, so I don't go to that church anymore because I don't live in Florida. But I grew up in the same church, like, my whole life. Absolutely loved it. Um, like, loved my church. My church and the leaders at my church are some of the most important people in my entire life story. Mm. Um, but yeah, so my parents, I, I, my theory with it all is that my, my dad, because he, my mom didn't grow up in church. My dad did. Um, they knew that church was like important. Like my dad had that background and that was important to him. But the, the Christian lifestyle wasn't reflected at home. Right. So there was like a, there was definitely a gap there. Um, and I actually, if I, I think seriously, if the Lord hadn't encountered me personally, Mm. that my life situation would be very different. 
Um, like just growing up in my church wasn't enough with my home situation. Like my older siblings um, didn't have the same experience with me. By the time my parents had kind of like repented and, and come back to the Lord, um, and my mom like came to know the Lord for the first time, my, my older siblings had moved out. Like my sister's six years older than me. My, old, my older brother's four years older than me. And so like, and my little brother is four years younger than me. So he's having like a whole, his childhood is just going to be so much better yeah. than mine was and my siblings was. Um, but I got saved on a mission trip. So my, my grandparents have been going to Ensenada, Mexico. I'll be going there next month. Hopefully if my passport comes, uh, it's like my favorite place in the world. Um, my grandparents have been going since the nineties, like a long time. And my grandpa has like helped start a ministry down there. He goes to Mexico, like whether it be Tijuana, Mexicali, Ensenada, whatever, um, like once a month and just goes and preaches in rehab centers and churches and prisons. And he does prison ministry in America. So his story is crazy. So my grandparents played like a major role in my parents' lives changing and mine as well. So God bless them. They're the most amazing people in the world. Is that your dad's parents? Yeah, my dad's Got parents. It. Um, yeah, my grandpa's testimony is like crazy. It's insane. It's insane. FBI were after him, something like that. Oh it's my crazy. Gosh. It's a big deal. He was selling insurance, quote, quotation marks. <laughs> Um, uh, something like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the full story. I already like him. But his, his, uh, his story is awesome. Um, and so I remember just hearing him, hearing my grandpa preach on this mission trip when I was 13 was the first year I went. And I was like, whoa, wait, there's something here. And, um, he just like emphasized relationship with Jesus in a way. He, he really emphasizes just being in the scripture. Um, his whole like motto is one page a day, one page a day. He'll just say it over and over and over again to people because he just knows the power of God's mm. word. And uh, so that just stuck with me. Like, I, I saw a study. It was like, it was actually a TikTok video. I mean, you get all your info from TikTok now. A study. It was a study. Someone but it was talking like, about a study. Someone talking about TikTok. a study. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was like, if you read your Bible once a day, nothing really changes. If you read it twice a day, nothing changes. Three times a day, eh. But when you read it four or more times a week, it's like uh, depression rates go down. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? Have yeah, you seen yeah, that video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what all it said, but it was like depression rates go down. Like overall joy goes up like 200%. Um, like thoughts of suicide goes down mm-hmm. a ton. I don't remember the exact thing, but. Yeah. So I'm a, I was a psych major. I just got my associate's degree in a year, which is dope because I did so much AP garbage in high school. <laughs> um, but it's cool just like learning about, you know, s- studies similar to this. So it's like self-assessment studies where people um, are like rating themselves. Um, and so when you take a group of Christians and the ones you have, they self-assess and they're like, they're self-report rather. They're like, yeah, yeah I read the Bible four or five times a week. They're going to score lower on all of those things. Like when they're asked the question, like, do you, do you feel depressed? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel suicidal? They're all going to score lower than the people, the same kinds of people that are screened that are like, yeah, I read the Bible once a week or once a month or never. Yep. Like, so it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, so I, the moment I became a Christian, I had this like very deep appreciation for the Bible planted in me. And I think that that's a huge part of just my journey is right yes. off the bat. I knew like if I'm going to do the Christianity thing, reading my Bible every single day is an essential um, mm-hmm. and I'm not doing good unless I am right. Like th- that's my goal. Right. If I'm doing anything less than that, it's like, why am I not spending that time with the Lord? So I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. With you being so in love with God, it's almost romantic, right? Mm-hmm. 
when we think about God, there's like the gratitude that you have and you, you enjoy your time with the Lord when you spend, spend it with him, all of that. How do you explain that to somebody? Or if you have a story where they just don't get it and there is not an emotional or spiritual connect to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is something I've been learning a lot about recently. I was actually thinking and kind of like chuckling to myself. I don't know how women think about God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, because God, we use masculine like pronouns and stuff for God. So I'm always like, he, I'm in love with a man. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like women, I just, I always wonder if it's different for them. Yeah. Because I feel like maybe like they could understand that like romantic love for God in a way, not that women, you know, cause it's, there's a metaphor there. Like it's kind of poetic, like mm -hmm. they're not really romantically in love with him, but I don't know. I wonder about that. But, um, I do just think like, I, I've been learning a ton about this recently. Uh, I was like at my friend's, I have friends here that do like a house church thing. I go to a church on Sunday mornings, but then they have a house church that they do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's super fun. And I was there and um, just have been like learning, like encountering the Lord in a way that I haven't before, which is super fun. Um, and understanding that, mm -hmm. really coming to understand that love myself actually. Uh, so now I might be more equipped to explain it than I would have been like a few weeks ago. Um, and it's just like, I, I've been learning about, so I was just preaching in San Diego. I'm like really rambling to get myself to this point. You're but, fine, dude. But we'll get there. Uh, I was just preaching in San Diego and I preached like the full message. And then I did like a altar call moment, prayed. And then I was like, you know what? I don't feel like I'm done. And I preached another like 20 minutes. <laughs> um, and, but just like preached and like let myself ramble on the love of God as a father and as a friend for like 20 minutes. And so I've just been... The more I preach about it, the more it like makes sense in my head. That's where I do a lot of my thinking is in front of people, which mm. is so epic. Yes. Uh, but also just in the private sphere. Basically, I'm just learning about God having this very intricate, specific love for me as a child and as a friend. Um, and just, I don't know, just learning how much he cares about me. Mm. And it's hard to not respond to that with like, wow, you're so awesome. Yes. Like, what the heck? Um, and so just the other night at this house church, I was like worshiping and kind of just been going through it. And was like singing um not really feeling it and then it was like god like i am really upset right now like i just need you to like come and comfort me mm -hmm. and i was like writing in my notes too like all depressed and sad like is this a kind of worship that god even responds to um like this kind of disposition this kind of heart like is he cool with that um and then him just having this overwhelming feeling of the holy spirit just came and like kind of like hug me. That's just, that's the only way to explain it. I, I used it as like an example in a message mm -hmm. the other night. Um, my buddies and I were doing some stuff at UCLA and just explaining like, I, there's only someone who's experienced it can understand it. But just that like almost feeling like God is like physically embracing you um, and just like brought to like weep because dang, like God really yeah. does really love me. Yeah. Like that's nuts. That's and, so. and I, I want to hit on this bro because you just said, is this, is this even like acceptable? Yeah. God. Yeah. What I've learned is that vulnerability, God, God can't heal what you won't show him. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times Christians come, not even, maybe just random people, like long, a long time ago, really like two or three years ago, I would go to God with a mask on because I was like, yeah. I can't show him this. Yeah. I can't show him how I'm feeling. And I'd be like, but when you go to God and you're like, God, I'm freaking pissed. Like I'm pissed. That's real. Like, 
it's those real, those real feel. Why would you not want to bring him into that? Right. Because I mean, that's probably why you had that moment. Cause he was like, okay, he, he trusts me to know that I already know. Mm-hmm. And I can, and you can just go to him as real as you can be as real as you can be. And, and that might not look Christian in that yeah. moment. Yeah. I, I think that we have an access to vulnerability in relationship with God that you don't have access to in literally any other relationship in your life. Exactly. I can say the most out of pocket, ridiculous things to God. Yep. And he, he, he's, he gets it. He's like, scared of it. Um, yeah, yeah. He's not like, Whoa, dude. Right. Like he, he's like, yeah, I know you were thinking that already. You yep. weirdo. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like 100% learning the power of prayer of being like, God, I'm mad at you. Right. And I can't pretend that I'm not. Cause it's just going to keep getting in. I can't grow with you, Lord, unless I express this, I'm mad at you and I need you. And I know that I'm not in the right. That's kind of like, there's a humility yes. to that. I like, I talked about this a little bit and some people were really angry at me in my comments. Like, how can you say you're mad at God? That's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't say I was right to be mad at God. I wasn't right. But I was, I was right. mad. Exactly. I was mad. So it's some, the anger had to go somewhere. And you, you just, if you just push that anger down at God and pretend like you're not mad at God cause you want to seem righteous. It's like, no dude. Um, so I work with an organization called um, TheosU. Um, Bro, I love, I love that thing. So, so awesome. I just, just joined faculty with them and love them all. And there's a guy, one of the most incredibly brilliant people I've ever heard in my entire life. His name is David Campbell. Um, and he was doing a message on Elijah in the Bible. Um, and he said that like in his experience with pastoral counseling, the underlying cause of depression is always anger. Wow. And he's like, he always asks like, what are you angry about? And like, that's a question that like when you're, when you're like really not doing good with the Lord, what are you angry at him for? Mm. It's like a question I want to ask people a lot of the time. Cause like you're mad about something and you feel like you can't be mad at him. Mm-hmm. You got to get it out. Same kind of thing. Like while I was at this house church the other night, I had this like, you know, that feeling you get when you want to be around people, but you don't want to like say anything. You kind of yes. just want somebody to like share your presence yes. and it just be like silent. I felt that way with God. Which I, I was like, God, I really just want you to be like, I want you to like sit next to me, but I don't want to talk right now. Right. I don't want to re- like, and I don't have my Bible on me. Like, I'm not going to, even if I did, like, I feel like it wouldn't just, I just want you to like sit next to me. Is that okay? Is that normal? Is that all yes. right? And, and then he did just came and like overwhelmed me and made me feel really warm. And it was like, oh, so he's chill with that. And that was like an honest thing. Like I didn't, I wasn't going to sit there and force out like a super righteous prayer. Like, God, I believe in you despite the pain. (laughs) Like he knows that he knows that. But in that moment it was like, God, I don't want to give you some garbage, some fake garbage prayer. Like I, I love you and I know you love me. And I just want to like share the room with you right now. I don't have words right now. And I don't, I don't, I don't know that I could say anything to make this better. So just come like sit next to me. And it was in that vulnerable moment that like, I had that encounter that I really needed that really uplifted me and really encouraged me and really reminded me of the truth. So, so good. And it's funny you say that. Cause like, so me and my wife, like I like to just hang bro. Sometimes yeah, she likes to talk. I like to talk too, but not all the time. And uh, so I'll be like, I'll be like, you know, I, I just love it that we can be married and like, we can just be in the same room and we can just chill. You know what I mean? And I don't have to like, it's like, I've been given effort all day. Can we just like be, and it's so cool to know that it's cool to know that God can be both in any instant. And you can just be like, God, I love you. You know that. Can we just chill? Can like, you just love on me. But then at that moment of saying, 
okay, I do want to say something. He's saying, okay, I'm ready. Like, let's talk. Let's talk. And that's, it kind of goes to like husband and wives. And I've been married for two and a half years and it's, it's been, it's been hard. It's been trying to figure out how to be selfless and all of these things, but it's like bringing God into that relationship and understanding like, gosh, it's just so crazy how much he loves us. And the one thing that holds us back is ourselves because we might not like ourselves or we think we put this thing of what God might think of us or what our earthly father did or what, you know, for me, a football coaches, like that was like, like I always thought of God as a coach. And if it was, if I wasn't performing, then I wasn't worth. And football coaches are mean. Very. They're mean. Bro. I've had some good ones, but there's been some mean ones. Lots of, if you're watching, I love you. I'm not going to say the name, but yeah. well, dude, you look at, um, <laughs> you look at, you look at, you look at David in the Bible he might have been like one of the most bipolar dudes like you've ever met in your oh, life. Seriously. It is you, one Psalm will be father. I love you. I praise you for all the things that you've done. You have allowed me to conquer and win and blah, blah, blah. And the next one, he's like, I literally curse you, God. I hate you. You suck. <laughs> and then you see him go through the, he's at the top of his reign. You know, he's a King and he sends his people out to war and then he sleeps with someone and then loses the baby. He didn't sleep there. He also knocked her up, bro. Yeah, he knocked her up yeah. and then loses the baby, has <laughs> has the baby daddy killed, and then he's on the floor with nothing, crying, not eating for like a week. We're all messed up. Yeah. And if and it, it, you're, it's true what you're saying is like it feels like, um, I don't know what if it's a Western thing or if it's a worldly thing, but you see that in a lot of people who uh, walk out as Christians that they feel like they can't be vulnerable because they have to paint a picture of perfection. And that's the last thing God wants. He wants to know you right now. And we think we got to clean up. And we talked about this. We think we got to clean up to come to him. But he's like, just come to me as you are. And let me, let me heal you. Let me get the glory. Let me show you. Let me walk with you. Let me be with you. Yeah. And it's been a, that's been a long time for me to understand that. And I'm still trying to understand it. The beautiful thing is that you won't catch him off guard. Nope. Like you're not going to be like, God, I'm really struggling with this. And he's like, oh, you're the first one. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. ever, nobody's ever told me that before. Like, no, he's dealt with lots and lots and lots of people. You know, you're never going to come to God, you know, with your doubts and be like, God, I, I'm having trouble like believing in you right now. And he's like, ugh, yep. You know, you're the first human who ever said that. Like, no, no, you're one of millions right. who's ever come to God with that. And every single time he's responded with grace and cared and been involved. Yes. Like, and so I think we just, I think you're right that we, we read our own experiences into who God is. And we take people who are in positions of authority in our life or whatever, and we think, okay, God is like that. Like God is like the principal. God is like the coach. He's like the yes, like my dad who sucked. You know what I mean? Yes. And he's not. Right. He is not. He's he is everything they will never be. And I think that's a. Uh, this is something I, I feel like I bump into with Christians, and something I'm doing my best in my ministry is like become like the focus of my ministry, um, my preaching as of late. My prayer that I really started to offer to God about two years ago now was just like, God, give me a new glimpse of your heart. Mm. Like to every single day, wake up, God, give me a glimpse of your heart today. Like show me because he's got this infinite eternal heart that like, I'm going to spend the rest of my existence understanding. So like today, God, give me a new glimpse of this. And now my goal, whenever I preach, whenever I talk is how do I give people a glimpse into God's heart for them? Mm. Um, and I just think that so many Christians are scared to over-personalize the love of God. And I don't know why. I don't know why they want the love of God to be robotic and cold. Yes. Um, 
the way I always explain it is like God invented relationship. He invented community. He invented those things. And he's always existed in relationship for forever. That's the one of the most beautiful parts of the Trinity. Like so dope. God has been operating in relationship for forever. Right. He invented these things. And so if anything, um, everything that we know about like relationship with other people and love is we learn from him. So like he's actually like the super personal God, mm-hmm. not this God of like far away, distant. No, like he invented the thing. Um, and so I, I don't I think people just have this, uh, this fear of understanding God's love too personally. So like when I preach, I'm always just like, you know, God is madly in love with you. You know, he's like crazy about you. And I try and use that, that language because it is unorthodox. Right. Like it's a little bit weird for people to hear that language. Like when to hear, like when I first heard someone say the words that God was proud of me, I was like, Whoa, that sounds wrong. (laughs) That sounds, you shouldn't say that. Right. That sounds extra biblical. That's weird. But no, like it totally is true. Like he 100% is proud of me. It's, it's funny you say that because the one TikTok I blew up on was I did a, this is your sign video. And I was like, Hey, this is your sign. No, (laughs) no hashtags. And I was like, I just want to let you know that God's not mad at you and he's proud of you and that no matter what you think of yourself, he's literally here for you right now. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it just went, it blew up yeah. and it was like comment after comment after comment of people like, I thought he hated me. I thought he hated me. One thing that I really want to dive into is you apologetics, but with that, I believe one thing God has really placed on my heart is reaching the lost mm-hmm. and I've been in that world. I've always known that God was real. I always knew I'd had encounters with him, but there are people from alternative lifestyles, especially in the world today. And I just have such a heart for them. I'm sure I know everyone else in this room does as well, but I want to ask you the question. And if they are watching, I hope you're watching, but how can they know that God is real and that God loves them? Yeah. Um, that's a fun question. Um, wow. I think my thing that I always just have just learned to tell people who are in that journey is the first thing, and I'll I'll like, you know, unpack some other things too, but the first thing is always just ask God to speak to you. Like, seriously, he's listening. Just God, would you speak to me? Would you like show me that you're real? Show me that you care about me? And he totally will. Yep. Like he totally will respond to that kind of prayer. Um, so 100% first thing always is if you want to know, like ask him uh-huh. and he'll, he'll prove it. Um, but yeah, so I got like into the whole apologetics thing when I was younger um, and just wanted to know, like, can I really like, can we really know that God is real? Right. Um, and I th- you know what I think? I think the most powerful proof of God's existence in our age right now is personal testimony. Um, outside of like the science. I love the science. It's all super interesting. Um, talking about anthropic constants and stuff like that. I want to get into that it's too. It's so bro. good. <laughs> uh, but I think the person, te- I think, and the reason I say this is like when you poll Generation Z, the number one argument that they feel is like strongest against God's existence is the problem of evil. So the whole like theory is either that like God can't all at once be all good, all powerful and all knowing all three of those things can't it's a contradiction for them all to be true because if he's all good um and all powerful and all knowing then evil shouldn't exist 
It's like one of them has to drop. Either he's not all-knowing, and that's why he doesn't prevent evil because he doesn't know what's happening, or he's not all-powerful, so he can't prevent the evil, or he's not all-good, so he doesn't want to prevent the evil. Um, And so I think that's, I think the problem of evil uh, as being like the number one reason atheist and agnostic Gen Z are like disinterested with God requires us to be able to eloquently present our testimonies. Kind of what Peter says is like always be ready to give a defense. I think the testimony is the most powerful thing because it's reframing, um, it reframes God completely. If I say, yeah, I went through all these really horrible, hard, evil things and God was my answer. Then it's like, wait, what? Yep. Because I thought God was the one that, <clears throat> I thought God was the one I was supposed to blame based on this problem of evil issue that's going on in my mind. But you're saying that in response to evil, you actually ran to God and God was your support system and uh, God like brought you back to life. Like, what, what do you mean? Um, and so I always think like the personal testimony is going to be the most powerful thing. I can look at my life and see that God radically changed my life that and I've struggled with depression for like a super long time. Um, and it's still something I deal with, but I genuinely don't think I'd be alive today if I didn't have Jesus yep. in my life. When I, it's, there's no doubt for me on that one. Um, and there's just like so much of my life that has just totally ridiculously changed because of God. Um, you know, same thing observing with my parents. Like my parents were alcoholics my entire childhood. And then like night and day shift out of nowhere. Like my mom's... Uh, body just stopped reacting well to it and started having problems with her pancreas and they were like yo if you keep drinking you're gonna die and so it was like my mom was like now what do i do with all my free time and ran to the scripture Mm. because my grandpa was like you should read the bible and she did and the bible changed her life and now my mom is like a completely different human being like night and day same with my dad um and every single person i meet like when they come to christ it's night and day their whole life is so different mine as well so i think that's like the most powerful truth is i know so many people who have been through so much like crap hard hard stuff and they are madly in love with jesus and they do not point a finger at him and blame him for any of it um because they know that he they know his heart for them because they've read the bible because they've asked the holy spirit to speak to them and god has like assured them that he cares for them and he's always been there um but the science is super fun too but before we before we get into that i want to ask this because this is a big thing that we always hit is you you know you said you battle with depression i i deal with addiction issues like i was ad- addicted to um you know marijuana drinking all, i mean that whole lifestyle xanax all of it and i still deal with issues i still deal with thoughts but but god's in the middle of it now mm-hmm. you said that you dealt with depression and you said you still deal with it so what does that look like god and depression God and what does that look like? Is, and because there's people out there that are thinking, you know, when I was growing up, it's like, you know, God's going to save you. Nothing. Everything's going to be different. Like, yeah. but it's like, no, there's a process. What does that look like to you? It's so funny. I was talking to my friend the other night. And so I, I didn't grow up with like a charismatic background, but out here in LA, I'm surrounded by charismatics and I would consider myself charismatic these days. I love them. They're so awesome. But this is a this is a, this is a mostly small but I don't think there's any possibility to overemphasize freedom, okay? No way. But I think that if we I think the when I grew, growing up around more reformed people has actually given me a healthier perspective on suffering um mm-hmm. because, you know, I look at I look at suffering through the lens of like 2 Corinthians 12. Like when Jesus says to Paul, when he's like I got this thorn in my flesh, God, this sucks, take it away. 
three times, God, Jesus says no. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I read that and I'm like, oh, okay. So it's okay that I'm suffering. Yes. Like it doesn't make me less holy. That I'm, it, it doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. And it doesn't mean that God has stopped loving me or that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to like f- set me free. You know, I believe that like I wasn't designed to struggle with all these chemical imbalances and all these super dark thoughts. I wasn't. And God does want to set me free from it. One day. There's yep. a day appointed, whether in this life or then. And he's given me, like, so much freedom. And there's so much, like, I think when we talk about depression, Christians are, like, scared of psychology. We ain't scared, baby. Yeah. If you're watching this and you're scared, let's just listen to Elijah, all right? So being someone who has <laughs> studied psychology, as my, I have an associate, so, like, I'm no scholar or anything. Um, but I've just learned so much about, like, the practical side of overcoming depression. And it's, it's dope. Like, not over-spiritualizing it. Like, yes, I'm going to pray against these things, like, when I struggle. Because part of it is an attack from the enemy, 100%. Right. And part of it, I need God to, like, help cleanse me of all these, like, lies that I've been believing since I was a child. Like, there is a miraculous power that God has, and he cares about my struggle with depression enough to step in and be involved. 100%. And so, like, when when Paul says to uh, take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, like, I read that, and I'm like, okay. Like, God gets it. I have thoughts that I can make obedient to him. So, you know, on like a spiritual level, it's awesome. When I'm going through depression, I can pray and literally be like, these thoughts that I'm feeling, I bind them and cast them to hell in the name of Jesus. Like, I take these thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I say that out loud Yep. and pray that. And there's a power there. Like, I don't know how to explain it, mm-hmm. but God, there's a way that when I yield myself to him and I'm like, God, I need you to control my thought life, he gets involved. And he does something about it. So there is a spiritual answer. But also just like, if you have bad self-talk, you're going to be depressed. Like, <laughs> if your mental voice is like, you suck, you're the worst, no one loves, like, yeah, you're going to believe those things if you keep saying mm-hmm. those things to yourself. And so um, just learning, like, from psychologists, like, healthier modes of, of self-talk, how to talk to myself better. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought I thought I was just going to have to pray it away, but That's it turns satanic. out satanic. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out I can just have a a, a wiser inner voice. Yep. And when I'm sad, I can be like, "Hey, self, that's not true. Yep. That thing that you're saying isn't true." And uh you're overthinking. Yes. And just you sound like a schizophrenic, but having a conversation with yourself in a good way turns out actually has an effect on the way that you think. Same thing like I learned this from listening to Psychology Today podcast. Super fun. But if you talk about your own struggles in the third person, you won't be as anxious about them. That's crit. Okay. So, so if I'm like, yeah. if I'm thinking or I'm exp- like, if I'm like, this is what Elijah is going through. And I'm like having yes. a conversation with someone or listen, like talking to myself. And, um, you know, Elijah needs to do this. Or Elijah needs to do that. Like, because we tend to be less involved with other people's problems. Like if you tell me something you're going through that you're really worried about, I might be like worried for you on your behalf, but not anywhere near as worried as you are. So if I'm able to like take a step back from what I'm going through and be like, and look at my own problems from the third person, I won't feel as anxious. I won't feel as depressed about them. So good. Crazy that the God just designed the brain that way. We see that kind of thing in the Bible. David does healthy self-talk in the Psalms, Psalm 42 and uh, 43. He says like, why are you downcast, O my soul? David, why are you talking to yourself, dork? But he's, he's real. He's like, why are you, like, why, why are you, there's no reason to be like this. Hope yes. in God. Like, restore your hope in God. Like, you're going to be fine. It's, it's poetic, so it's like, what? Like, it's, it seems kind of like super spiritual, but it's not. It's, hey, self, 
Why are you upset about this? God is still good. You're going to be okay. Everything is going to be fine. Yes. Crazy that you can just have a conversation with yourself and feel better. So, okay. So like a couple weeks ago, I'm laying in bed. I just ate like a huge piece of pizza. I was feeling great. Beautiful. Dude, I literally, the next second I thought I was dying. Like sharp pains down my arm, whole vision goes tunnel vision. And I'm like, my wife's name is Chloe. I'm like, Chloe, I'm dying. I'm dying. Like, and it's funny now, but I literally thought I was dying. <laughs> I literally thought I was dying. Dude, they rushed me to the emergency room. I had a panic attack. So, and I'm like, I've been in counseling for a month and a half now. I always thought counseling was not cool, but God has like literally just opened my eyes to, to counseling and therapy. And, yeah. um, and so I went to her, I think it was this last week and you know, I'm like, why the heck did I have a panic attack? Like, I don't understand like what's going on. God, what's going on? Like I had no control. I've never not had control mm-hmm. of like my, my body and my mind. Like it was like no control at all freaking out. And, um, well, she brought this up and she was like, there's this thing in you called the manager. And it's like the third person you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And like when I get going, well, when the manager gets going in me, it's like, do more, do more. You have to do this. You have to prove yourself. You have to. And this is why I had a panic attack was the amount of stress I had uh, around based around my job and these little other things that I'm doing. And even not only that, but it was stress around shame filled thoughts and issues I'm dealing with and, and addictive issues. And it's like, and, and like, I was just like, I'm just going to be real with her. I, I mean, I told her all, but she was like, you have to start having conversations with the manager. And she was like, because you're in, cause you think the manager is in control, but really you're in control of the manager. And you're like, yeah. Hey manager, listen, thank you so much for trying to protect me. Thank you so much for trying to keep me, you know, in a place of, of, of doing and, and being and trying to figure out how to be the, the best self that I am. But can you take a break? Hey, I'm, I'm going to give you a coffee break. I'm going to give you a break. Go on vacation. And so I've been starting to talk to myself in the third person. When I start having these feelings of like, I got to do this. I have to prove this. I ha- like it's, it's that football in me that was just yeah. born. And it's, and it's like, God doesn't want you to do. He wants you to be. And so I've been trying to figure this out because that is where my stress comes from. That is where my anxiety comes from. That is where my depression comes from. That is where my addiction comes from. Yeah. And it's like, now I'm talking to myself in the third person and I'm talking to the manager. JB, during that time frame, listen, this guy was, you were on the, the fence of fully just breaking in half. Yes. I remember that week like it was yesterday. We were at a men's conference, right? We're doing this thing, like video production. We're having fun. It's the height of our life. We're going to kill it. And then JB's texting me, Hector, I'm going to die. Hector, I hate myself. Hector, who am I? Am I white? What am I? <laughs> like, I didn't say that. <laughs> but what's, what's so funny, dude, is seeing, I'm, I told you this, and it sounds so mean, but I'm like, JB, I'm so happy that you went through that. Yeah. And I'm so happy that you had to hit a rock bottom. Cause when you're down there, like all you can do is rely on God. Right. It's the same thing you were saying. It's like, man, you didn't realize you needed God until you freaking needed God. Yep. And it's the same thing when that question I asked you, like, how do you teach romance and falling in love with the Lord and, and desiring his presence? And it's like, man, I don't know if I can teach it, but the one thing I can do is showcase it. That's one or the other is you're probably going to have to go through something really hard until you realize that you need the Lord. And it's funny because I've hit rock bottom like 12 times. (laughs) 
<laughs> but, I, but, but, but how I've envisioned it was like, it's like, here was me. And then here's a, where I'm going to go one day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, rock bottom, climb, 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 rock bottom, climb, 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 rock. But it's like, you're hitting rock bottom in a new place and you're inviting him into a new compartment yeah. that you hadn't given him before. And so, you know, I hit rock bottom, you know, three years ago when I got kicked off a scholarship at UNC for failing three drug tests in a row, like an idiot, you know, I hit rock bottom when my, my wife now left me when we were dating, you know, I hit rock bottom two weeks ago when stress related things. And it's like, but that's how God gets my attention, even though it sucks. But it's like, but it's not like I'm going back down to the very rock bottom. It's the rock bottom on that next hill of that that level of that level. And it's just like, the God's grace is so amazing, but it's like, I'm thankful that that happened. I got to ask you this with your depression and you're saying like, it's still ongoing and it's a big part of your life. You're working through now that you have achieved like the, like an influence online and people like, like your content, they'll show up to your events and all that stuff. Has it heightened or have you just learned how to cope with it and work with it better? Um, Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I think it's like, it's one of those things that comes in waves. So there are moments where I'm like, oh man, I'm really doing great. And then there have been moments where I'm like, this is the worst it's ever been. Um, and that's like, that's the worst feeling ever. When you go from feeling pretty confident about it to like, oh, here we are it, again. Why, yeah. why is it hitting me so much harder right now? Um, and so, yeah, I think the hardest moments of depression have been since I like, I like gained an influence. Mm-hmm. I think that's just became, because I became more self-aware. Like I, realized some of the stuff I was dealing with was depression um, and like attachment disorders and all this stuff I learned in counseling is super fun. Uh, Please walk us through it. Like, like for you personally and all that stuff. Yeah. uh, I learned that I have a, what's called an ambivalent or an anxious attachment disorder or style. And it just means that like, I don't have a healthy understanding of how to attach to other people. Mm. Uh, And that's something that you learn. Like this is literally stuff you learn in your first year of life which is crazy, but your first year of life and the way that you attach to your mother affects your, like psychologically affects you the rest of your life, which is crazy. And it's not that like, I'm like, I'm going to have this attachment style the rest of my life, but like it's, you have to unlearn so much. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff that you learn through the rest of your childhood, like six to eight years old is some of the most of it. Like people who today who have like disassociative identity disorder, you know, so people who say, they say have like multiple personalities, it's because they went through serious trauma from six to eight years old. And, you know, so like that's a very, and then puberty is like super developmental. So like all of those three life parts of your life cycle or or journey or whatever, your developmental stages together, like have a serious effect on you as an adult. And so I just learned that like my attachment style is unhealthy. And uh, that meant that like I was causing myself a lot of anxiety in my relationships because I was super clingy and afraid to lose people. And it causes this whole, like, so it causes this, like, in, innate desire to, like, perform for people. Yes. Um, and so the opposite end of that is what's called an avoidant attachment style. They're the kind of people that, like, you get close to them and they, like, retreat and run away. Um, and so I just, I learned a ton about a, a ton about this through counseling. It's super fun. I think counseling is, like, the best thing ever. The best. Um, Anytime counseling has been brought up in this podcast, he has gotten very excited. Yes. You love that stuff, dude. I love it. Th- therapy is dope. Yes. And it's like my church has like a giant counseling center. It's like a huge part of our ministry in Orlando. So awesome. Uh, and so it's super important. And it, cha- it changed my life. Like when I was depressed and feeling suicidal every single night in quarantine, not knowing what was wrong with me, I had this like 
It's my junior year of high school. I had this giant mental breakdown with my parents where they were on me about my grades because I stopped doing schoolwork altogether in quarantine. And I kind of was just like, I got really angry. And I was like, do you care like how I'm doing as like a person? Because I want to die every day and you've taken no notice of it. And they were like, what? <laughs> they were like taking it back. And they, I mean, to be fair, I was like trapping myself in my room 24 um, seven. Yep. Everyone was during quarantine. And so then my, my parents were just like, do you want to try going to counseling? And I was like, sure, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And I went and it was really helpful. Like it, and so I think Christians are scared to be like self-helpy sometimes, but I just think that like biblically we have a responsibility to steward ourselves well. And so I have to steward myself spiritually. It means like I have to take charge of my spiritual life and make sure I'm reading my Bible and make sure I'm spending time with the Lord and make sure that I'm, you know, pursuing holiness and I have to steward myself physically. Like, yes, I got to take care of my body, which is something I need to learn because yeah. I'm like, Same, I'm, I'm like mad. I'm like, so <laughs> I'm like so underweight and like, my diet's awful and my sleep is horrible. But like those are things that yes. they're, they're actually not as bad as they used to be. I sleep a good amount and I eat more often and better than I, and it's something I had to do because it was contributing to my mental health. Like it was contributing yeah. to why I was doing so bad. Like my therapist was like, do you ever go outside? Do you eat? Do you sleep? And it was like, no, no, and no. <laughs> well, you know, that might be part of why you hate being alive. <laughs> Just Dude, maybe. It's funny because it's like, that's not going to, you, your head is like, that's not going to do anything. It's funny. So my brother's holding the camera that's on Hector right now. Mm -hmm. So you, no one can see him, but dude, it's every, he's a health freak. And he's like, your kidneys are screwed. You need to go to sleep. <laughs> I got, you got this drink. It's like, dude, it's, so we're living together this summer and I'm like, okay, listen, I am literally going to bow down to you and anything you want me to do physically and health wise, I'm going to do it because dude, I screw myself. Yeah. Literally. Same. It, it's, me and all my roommates. <laughs> it's terrible. I was We're like, I need some accountability, unhealthy. bro. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where, like, God yes. gave you a body. Yes. And, like, that's why, like, gluttony is wrong. Crazy. Mm -hmm. You know? The, I, saw, I saw a TikTok, and it was like, the one form of addiction that the church is okay with is gluttony. Yeah. What else? What else? Oh, caffeine, too. But, I'm, I mean, I don't. But, like, that's. Yeah. Addiction is gluttony. That's, that's right. all it is. Yes. So, like, yes. like, gluttony isn't just eating. When my screen time is eight hours, that's gluttony. Yep. You know, I'm not stewarding my time well. I'm not stewarding my mind well by filling myself with social media all the time. Right. You know, and so, yeah, if you're if you are a glutton, you're not stewarding your body well. You're, and so it goes even further. You have to steward your mind well, too. You know, you have to steward your emotional life well. Otherwise, you're neglecting this thing that God has given you. God gave me a mind and he gave mm -hmm. me emotions. I have to be I have to take control of them. Yes. I have to be running the show. Like the same way that I have to be in, no one else can take charge for me over my spiritual life and over my physical life. If I'm going to be healthy in those areas, I got to do something about it. Same yes. thing mentally. I have to take initiative. If I need help, I need to go be in therapy and be okay with that because God gave me a mind that I'm supposed to steward. It's a gift that he's given me that I have to take care of while I'm in control of it. So same thing, like your thought life. If my thought life is horrible, I have to take charge and steward this thing better because what I think is going to control what I believe. It's going to control how I feel. It's going to control what I do. And so if I don't steward my mind well, I'm, I'm not taking advantage of the responsibility God has given me. So my dad has always had this saying, if, if you do the natural, God will do the supernatural. And what I hate, and, and this That's might... That's fire. That it, is so good. Isn't it good? Yeah. And so like one thing that I've, I hate, well, I don't like, I, I hate it, is when people have a victim mindset. Mm -hmm. And... And I love how you're talking about it because you don't have that. And it's like, we are, we're made up of mind, will, and emotions. And everyone's like, 
even I've been in this place. I'm like, I've been the victim before. Oh, well, poor me. You know, well, I have this disease or I have this, this addiction, you know, all of these things. And it's like, actually I have the ability to do the natural when it comes to my mind, my soul and my, my physical body, I can be working out. I can be doing healthy things. I can eat right. Not only that, I can go to therapy I can open up and have community and and be able to, to to talk about the things that I'm going through, being vulnerable, which is one of the reasons we're doing this freaking podcast is because it's like, this is therapy for me. And like, not only that, but like mentally, like getting into the word, doing these things, but it's like, it's a, it's a partnership with God. Yeah. And it's like, if we do the natural, God's going to do the supernatural. Yeah. And so in all those areas, if you want a great life, relationally, financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it, then what are the natural things that you're doing so that God then can partner and say, I see that you're stewarding. I'm going to put my hand on this. And so it's like, it takes the victim mentality out of it. I'm waiting on God. Yes, we can wait on God, but are you doing the natural while you're waiting? It's hard. Yes. Because there's a, there's a level of this where like, I'm not presently in a depressive episode. Same. And there have been times where I've been in a depressive episode and I'm like, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to move. I don't want to take care of myself. So, and yep. like, it doesn't bother me that my, my life is going down the drain. Right. That's a, that's a depressed person's mind. Right. Is yeah. My relationship with God is bad. Who cares? So you know, that apathy comes on and it's like, I just don't care about anything and I don't have any motivation. And you know, I have like, like troubles with ADHD as well. Same so like, and those, th- those two things like often actually get mistaken for one another. Um, and, but there's like so much trouble for me. Like my brain is understimulated. Like it's hard for me to do the things that are important. It's hard for me to do the things that matter and that benefit me because my brain is like all over the place. I, I'm yes. understimulated. So it's looking for stimulation somewhere else, which makes it almost impossible to complete the tasks I know I need to do. It's hard. Like there's right. a diff, like that's something I like presently deal with. Like, you know, even if I'm not like constantly in a depressive episode, I still have things that feel like in my mind that are out of my control and it's hard. So like the person who's in like the depressive episode or wherever that's really struggling, it's like, yes, man, it sucks to be there. It sucks so bad. Um, and but like, I, yeah. you have to, you have to fight. And I think depression, I think, depression is fighting back. Yeah. Like whether you're going to fight or yeah. not, depression is going to fight you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like you have to fight, you have to invite people into that struggle and right. be like, Hey, I, I really need you to be there for me. I really need you to, uh, Help me in this, you know? And, and I think the natural, because I, I deal with that too. Like, straight up, we'll wake up and be like, screw life. Like, I'm watching Netflix today. It, which isn't a bad thing, but it's like, it comes from a place of it. But I think the natural in those scenarios is like, go on a walk. Or like, hey, call your friend. It's not, and, and in some cases, as you get healthier and you're having a good day, yes, it's doing all these things and the natural things that are going to help you. But at the same time, when you're in those episodes, it's the little things, I think. Like, go yeah. take a shower, bro. Like, uh, go on a walk with your wife or go on a walk, hang out with your friends or, like, call someone up. It's the little things that I think can change it. What What do you do in those moments? Um, again, the innate desire is to just do nothing. Yes. So, you know, you have to find the small things to overcome that. So for p- part of my battle is I have to force myself to see the good, you know, um, I've become self-aware to the point that when I'm really struggling, I will just be like, God, I know that I am believing mm-hmm. a lot of lies. I know that my mind is like, there are a lot of lies in my mind that I need you to help me like overcome and stop believing and just replace with the truth. 
And so yeah, part of that, again, comes back to the self-talk thing. I've learned how to talk to myself better mm-hmm. and just be like, Elijah, you are believing lies right now. You don't have to like submit to this. Like, like you're going to be okay. Like everything's going to pan out. Like the future is going to be, the future is in God's hands. Like sometimes I'll listen to that. Uh, there's a, uh, Justin Bieber did the freedom EP. I, I always forget which song it was, but there's this one that Judas Smith does this thing at the end yes. where he's like, he's like, it'll be all right. You know, it's like <laughs> Judas Smith's voice and he's like, go to sleep, my child. Yes. It'll be all right. I listen to that and I'm like, yes, yes. But it's like, it's Judah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, but so that good. voice is so beautiful. But like, that's how I have to talk to myself. Like, um, but then part of it is, you know, I believe Romans eight twenty eight. I believe for the Lord works all things for the good of those who believe and love him. So I really believe that. I got to see the good. I got to yes. figure out where the good is. Where is the good in my life? Where are these small victory, these, these small wins? Like, um, you know, just looking for mm-hmm. those small things because depression wants you to believe that everything sucks all the time. And that's not true. Everything doesn't suck. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, everything doesn't suck. There are things that don't suck. And you just have to like convince yourself and make yourself write it down. Like I'm going to write down the things in my life that are going okay right now so that I don't believe this lie that I am in complete and utter misery and dread and I will never be okay again. Yes. Like that's a lie from hell. You will be okay. Yes. My wife, we were walking down with our pup in downtown Dallas. Everything's great. Everything's beautiful. But she's having, when I tell you a ridiculous anxiety attack, like on the side of the road, just being overwhelmed with everything. There is the practical of like, you have to do what you need to do in the natural of going to counseling, being vulnerable, being honest about what you're dealing with. Because if you don't, it's going to inevitably hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. Yeah. Right? So do you feel like that's why there is such an importance of needing to take care of yourself? Because if you don't take care of yourself, there might be such a horrible panic attack or a depressive state or whatever, and you can't get on stage to go preach to these 2,000 kids that you've been flown out to come do. Yeah. Do you feel like that there's, an, there's almost an intensity of needing to care for yourself so that you can honor the Lord? 100%. So there, there's two sides to it. There's that side where it's like, I need to be all right. I, I need to like take care of myself because I have responsibility. So the Lord has called me to. But then there's the other side of it where the Lord also wants me to enjoy him. And this hinders me from enjoying him. And that's like, mm. that's primary purpose of my existence is to know God and enjoy him. Like that's why. So I can't glorify him as well when I let these things like destroy me and control me. And I also can't even enjoy, enjoy him as well. And both of those things, because God is so gracious and so kind, like Psalm 18 has been like my go-to scripture. Um, it's like this beautiful picture of David is like, God, like everything sucks. My enemies are destroying me. God gets pissed and like comes down with like fire and storms and like throws lightning bolts and arrows and destroys his enemies. And I really feel like that is how God looks at my struggles with like mental health and stuff like that is as a loving, like compassionate father, it makes him angry. Not yes. at me, mm. at, but at, at the enemy at, you know, um, my struggles, you know, he cares about them that much. And so, yeah, cause he wants me to, you know, part of it is he wants me to serve him and he wants me to impact other people. And depression has made me feel like I'm, I'm going to quit ministry over and over and over and over again. Like, you know, there's that feeling that you like right after you preach a sermon is like either the best moment of your life or the worst. It's like either like, wow, that was amazing. Or I am worthless Yep. and nothing matters and I will never preach again. <laughs> And, like, that is a manifestation of depression, just, like, flinging all these lies at you. And God, like, hates that for me. You know, I know that he hates that for me because he wants me to, to continue in ministry and to keep fighting the good fight. 
You know, he doesn't want me to give up. And so, yeah, I got to like, I got to steward my mind well and my emotions and be on top of this and make sure that I'm doing okay because I have a passion that God, God has placed in me and a calling that he's put on my life where, you know, I want to reach my generation. I want to see people impacted. Um, you know, I want to intercede for people. Mm-hmm. I want to speak on behalf of the Lord in people's lives. Like I want to hear from the Holy Spirit for other people um, and, you know, like just impact people in a positive way and show people how much the Lord loves them. When I'm de- depressed, when I'm giving into all of that, I can't do that. Yes. I can't do that. And I want to. Like I know deep down in my core, like God designed me to do that for people. And so, yeah, I have to like, I have to own it. I have to fight it. And the great thing is I'm not doing it alone, you know? Like mm-hmm. where the Lord is right next to me, like, yeah, let's kick this thing's butt. Also, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. Here are people. And like, here are literal angels surrounding you, dog. Like, you're going to be all right. You're going to win this. Um, and so, yeah, I think that we serve a God of victory and he wants to give all of us victory in that area, whether that's in like a long lasting way or he's like, Elijah, you're going to have victory over depression today. Like you're going to have victory over these lies today so that you don't quit because I have a, a calling on your life. And I think that goes for everyone. Uh, but then there's the other side of it where God just wants me to enjoy him and he wants me to enjoy ministry, first of all, but he also just wants me to enjoy him um, and knowing him and depression gets in the way of that. Depression is like everything sucks and nothing matters mm-hmm. and uh, God has abandoned me. God doesn't. And he's like, he's like, dang, I don't want you to believe those lies, Elijah. Like, I want you to believe the truth. I want you to believe how much I care about you, how much I love you. Um, and depression is like, no, nah, he doesn't love you. And so God, again, gets ticked off at those lies. And it's like, again, I have to like take initiative and be like, I'm going to fill myself with the truth. I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to me and listen when he speaks and like fight these things off with the truth. Like know the truth well enough that I can remind myself of it. Mm-hmm. Like that's again, like back to Psalm 42 and 43. That's what David does. He's like, hey, soul, why are you downcast? Why are you struggling so much? Let me remind you of the truth right now. God is still good. You know, yes. which is such like a simple truth, but it's a reality. Like when depression, like, you know, is flinging all these lies at you and making you feel miserable. I have to be like, I got to, again, I had to steward myself well and be like, I'm going to remind myself of the truth right now so that I can enjoy God because he cares about me and he loves me. And that's he, no matter what, there's never going to be an instance where God want, doesn't want me to be in enjoyment of him and to know him on a deeper level. That's always what he wants to draw me towards. And he, neither he or I are content to let depression get in the way of that even if it's something that he is letting me struggle with right now to be refined and sanctified or whatever, whatever his purpose for it is, is like, he's not okay with it getting in the way yes. of him and I falling in love with each other. Um, or rather, he's already totally in love with me, but mm-hmm. me falling back in love with him, you know, he's not, he's not cool with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not like angry at me, but he's like, let's work together to yes. beat this thing, you know? Um, and it just, it has taught me a dependency on him. There was something you were saying about rock bottom. And the beautiful thing about rock bottom is there are things that you can learn there that you cannot learn anywhere else. There's nowhere else to learn things that you can learn at rock bottom. Like C.S. Lewis talks about this in A Grief Observed, which is like a lot of people say is his absolute best work. It's a book he wrote after his wife died. Um, and he describes God as like a surgeon. Mm. And if he's like, if a surgeon knows what's good for you, they're going to cut into your body, you know? Like if they know what they're doing and they they actually like want to see you healthy, they're gonna they're gonna cut you open, and that's God. Like so he's like he has this like this point he makes where he's like either God is evil or suffering is necessary. Those are the only two only two options. Like either God is because there's no God 
that's good, that would let me suffer for no reason. So even if God does permit suffering to happen, it's because it has a cause and because there's a purpose behind it. That, like, he doesn't just let us suffer for absolutely no reason. So either God is evil or suffering has a, there's a meaning in suffering. It's not meaningless. And so yeah. I've opted to believe the second thing, that there's mm-hmm. a purpose in suffering. So, and I want to, uh, really I'm asking you this question because I'm still trying to figure it out. But in October of 2021, so not long ago, man, I was just in a, it was a depressive state I was in and it was, it was just weird. And so like from October to January, I was just like feeling so weird. Well, we were at um, our New Year's Eve service and our campus pastor gets on stage and he brought up this verse about godly sorrow Hmm. and, and kind of what you're talking about, the surgeon, he cuts you open. And I realized in that moment and, and I want you to correct me. I, I want to talk about this and I want to dig into it because I might be wrong. But I was like, I feel like the reason I feel the way I do is because I have a God has put a godly sorrow in me to transform. And do you do you know the difference or understand the difference between our sorrows or like worldly sorrows or de- or depression? And then what what is the difference between a godly sorrow? Yeah. So that's a fun passage. It comes from uh it's one of the Corinthians. Yes, I forget exactly yes. where, but it's Paul, and he's talking about him correcting the the Corinthians because they were they were wild, um, and he says that he's glad that they were brought to sorrow because it brought them to repentance. Right. Yes. So um, that's what the godly sorrow is: is conviction. Is really the best way to explain what that is. That they felt sorry for their sin and it brought them to repentance, um, and so yeah, I think that, that there's a truth to that. Like you feel a, like. If I'm in a state where I'm not growing, I should feel a godly sorrow. Yes. Like, I should feel a conviction in my life. Like, those are the moments where the Holy Spirit is like, hey, Elijah, you, like, I, he calls me higher. Yes. And he's like, I've, I've, I've made you for more. I want better for you than the sin that you're choosing to live in um, and, like, the habits that you're choosing to hold on to. So that's godly sorrow of, like, God actually, you know, because I've grieved the Holy Spirit, I feel that grief. Yes. Like that's what ha- it's like carries over. You feel the grief of like, you know, not like I failed God and he's disappointed in me, but Jesus died so that I could walk in righteousness. Yes. Like that's the whole, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants me to bear the the fruit of the spirit and live righteously and live above reproach and go higher and high. he wants to call me higher because he cares about me. And there's this analogy I've been using with John 10 where Jesus is like I am the gate, like come behind these fences. It's like People feel that Christianity is so restrictive, but that is not my opinion. When Jesus, when the Holy Spirit commands me to live righteously and live purely and live holy, it's actually because it's better for me. Yes. Right. It's crazy. That's like good. a holy life is just better for you. Mm-hmm. So of course there's a godly sorrow where he's like, wants me to feel the pain of, you know, of conviction because conviction sucks. But Hebrews mm-hmm. talks about it like because he's a good father, he has to, he, he has to discipline us. Yes. You know, like, Dude. yes. You know, yes. he who loves a child doesn't, like, you can't spare the rod. I don't know how that psalm goes, but you can't, or the proverb or whatever. Don't spare the rod, basically. Spank the little bugger, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, um, and like, Spank that's how, him, because God is my, because he's our father, because right. he's our dad, like, he has to do that sometimes. Has to, but worldly sorrow is about me. Right. You know, worldly sorrow is uh, when you cheat on your wife and you're sad she left you. Right. That's worldly sorrow. Right. You know, like, worldly sorrow puts me back at the center and, that's not the kind of sorrow God wants us to feel. Worldly sorrow doesn't lead to repentance. Like worldly sorrow just makes you upset mm-hmm. and it makes you go deeper and deeper into your own garbage. Godly sorrow is, oh, like I've been living 
I've been compromising. Like I've been, mm -hmm. I haven't been living the way that I'm supposed to. And there are things in my life that need to change. Um, so I think that there is a sense that like, I, I, I will feel a godly sorrow sometimes when I've like yielded to the enemies of my life. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm done fighting. Mm -hmm. And good. God, like God's like, Elijah, no, you can't do that. You, it's like not an option. You know, that's, there's a, I love Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. And there's that passage where it's like, there's a time to live and a time to die. And God is in control completely. Mm. So like when I'm like, God, I actually want to kill myself. God is like, Elijah, I'm so sorry, but that is not an option. You can't do that. You can't. Oh man. It's just, there's, it's not an option for you, dude. Sorry. I appoint your days. You're going to die when I say so. Like you cannot take that into your own hands. So good. Um, and so yeah, there is like a need where it's, I, I, even when I don't want to, I have to fight. And if I look at God and I say like, I'm done fighting again, he's not angry at me. Like he's near to the brokenhearted. He, he is close to the crushed in spirit. Jesus, like he felt the full weight of that. You know, he suffered, you know, not just on the cross, but throughout his life, he experienced the human struggle. So God isn't like, dude, I'm so ticked off at you for being upset, but he's like, you have to fight whether you like it or not. Like you look have at, to keep dude, fighting. Look at, look at Jesus before he went on the cross. The anxiety was so through the roof. You want to talk about mental health, bro? That thing has Facts. been here since Adam and Eve or the giants before, whatever. It has <laughs> been prevalent. We got to talk about them giants, bro. You're talking about those giants that were Nephilim. in Iran. We can't talk about the giants that right Nephilim. now. Listen, <laughs> Genesis listen, six, okay. Babies. Let's go. But he's sweating blood, dude. Like he was so worried. But that's the part of what you're talking about. Yes, you are human and you have been given these emotions. You have been given this mental state where you're going to have to navigate and learn how to work through your health in your mind, in your heart, everything. But at the end of the day, I need you to be obedient to what I've called you to do. Yeah. And not only that, we're warriors, bro. Like everyone in this room, everyone watching, God has given us the ability to overcome. And I'm, I'm saying this to myself right now yeah. <laughs> because there's so many times where I'm like, I hate this. I, I literally don't like myself. I don't like, but it's like, why? Have you ever tried, have you ever thought about like, have you ever had suicidal ideation? No. You never had to deal with that? No, but I've had like very heavy depressive episodes. Like I hate my life. But the reason I probably haven't had suicidal ideation is because I will medicate and numb. Before that, before, before that, it gets point. To that point. See, the numbing for me comes after. Like that's been my experience. There yes. have been times where my absolute yes. lowest where I'm like, okay, this is it. And then I just shut down and I'm like, oh, never mind. Dude, that I'm gonna go sit on the couch for 16 hours straight. Yes. Like instead. And that it's crazy to think about that, but that has been a grace of God in my life. I don't know how else to explain it, but when I was at like my yes. absolute lowest point, like I'm ready to go right now. And God was like, Okay, you can't do this. I'm gonna turn your emotions off for a little bit, buddy. Like you <laughs> actually like you're freaking me out. Not really, obviously. But he like is like, let me let me turn that down a little bit. And has like stepped in when I was absolutely ready to give up and was like could could you can't. walk could you walk me through like your where your mind was during those times i know you've brought up a little bit of the suicidal ideation and dealing with getting to that point can you walk me through maybe what led to it and how you navigated through in that situation yeah um so this is what happens when you take a mentally ill person who already hates being alive and then you you throw it in the blender with things actually suck, like life circumstances actually are hard, and it's not just I'm sad. Um, so that's where I was. I was like already just at this low point mentally all the time, just 
like brain fog, just tired, exhausted mentally, super unhappy. Mm. Um, and then just had some crazy stuff going on in my life, lots of drama, uh, and just felt like everyone in my life suddenly turned on me, felt more alone than I've ever been, like, felt like I had failed everyone, and I just lost everybody. Nobody loved me anymore. Like, there was no... In that moment, the real thing that just like brought me to that last point was I felt like all purpose for my life had evaporated. Mm. Like, I'd... Whether I'd, like, uh, lost it, you know, like, lost the purpose or relinquished it or, or God had, like, taken it from me or whatever, whatever you want to think about it. Um, I just felt like I didn't have any purpose anymore. Mm. And that, for me, like suddenly the answer to the existential question that I'd always had was gone. Like, wait, actually, why am I here? Why am I alive? I don't think there's a reason anymore. And I was just ready to go. Like, I can't handle the weight of this anymore. And that's what brought me to that point. Just, just one thing on top of the other, on top of the other. And it was, the weight was just so much. It was like, I can't bear this weight anymore. You felt overwhelmed? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was definitely like a, the, the moments where I've been like, okay, I'm ready to go. It was like, panic 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 i'm freaking out like i'm like ha this specific moment it was like i hadn't eaten in days and i'm like like vomiting up like bile like it, because the attack was that bad like just like freaking out and yeah and got to that point where it was so dark that it was mm -hmm. just like snap like my emotions just kind of like shut off and i went into a place of apathy and wow that's the kind of thing where i'm saying like praise god because i was right i i knew what i was going to do you know, like I had a plan of action. It wasn't just like, I'm sad. It was yeah, like, yeah. this is, this is my last day on earth. And the Lord was like, nah, it's not. And whether that was through a method that was totally suit, like it wasn't like an angel appeared to me and was like, Elisha. I love when he does that voice. Be, be not afraid. <laughs> be not afraid. Go to sleep, my child. <laughs> It'll be all right. It was like, you have to. You have to keep going and like choirs of angels singing. Like I feel like you both in the '90s would have started a phenomenal band. The voices you have are it'd be, great. It'd be so wonderful. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Um, it's crazy because some of the things you're saying, it's like I I connect so much with you. It's funny you said funny, but like throwing up the stomach bile, like and not eating, bro. Been there so many times. Yeah, it's the worst when your body starts reacting you to how like freaked out your mind is. You can't, and that absolute feeling of like complete loss of control is it's terrifying. Yes. It's like it's the worst. I think especially as a man, it's like the worst feeling ever. Because I'm we're supposed to be like, I got this. I'm the I'm the head of the of this operation. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's there. It just there's. I mean, I'm not even like married. I don't have kids, but the lie can just come in like. How am I supposed to be a father or husband oh, someday man. when I, I can't even handle my own crap, Yep, you know? And so that lie just comes in and that absolute, when you feel like you have no control anymore, it's like, am I even a man? Like, am I? And so I think one of the biggest, like, truths that has been really helpful for me, and it's something I already kind of mentioned, just the idea that we're not doing this alone. One of my favorite scriptures comes from uh, Second Kings and it's a story about Elisha and he's, like, built this house with all these prophets and uh, there's this other nation that's, like, super ticked off at Elisha because he keeps telling the king of Israel, like, giving him military advice and it keeps working out. And he's like, Dude, he's like, screw this Elisha guy. We're going to go kill this guy so we can beat Israel. And they show up. And Elisha is just, like, chilling like a villain, like, not – he's completely unbothered. And the other, like, prophets and servants are like, dog, like, aren't you worried? There is literally an army completely encircling us. And he goes, like, Lord, show him what I can see. And then what the servant observes is that there is, like, heavenly chariots – like surrounding um, the other, the army. Mm -hmm. There's a heavenly army that has like surrounded them. 
And that like blows my mind. Like there's this picture of Jesus. There's this theophany in, in Joshua where he's like, uh, Jesus shows up and Joshua was like, are you for or against me? And Jesus is like, no. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? what? But he's like, he's like, by the way, this is my army. Um, and so there's this, I forget the, the Hebrew uh, title for God, but it's like the, like the Lord of hosts. Like he, he's a, he's a warrior king. Yes. That's like all throughout the Bible. God is a warrior king. He goes to war for his people, for and with. Isaiah talks about like he goes before me and behind me. Like he's a warrior God, which is so dope. Just yes. knowing that like, and I, I believe it in like a very literal way that like angels walk around with me. And I, I think all Christians have that. Like I, the Bible talks about angels kind of like mysteriously, but uh, there's a scripture, I forget exactly where it is, but it's like, it talks about their angels. Like there's a possessive, word before it and i think that there are angels that god has like appointed to me to like keep me safe mm. i know like and holy spirit's with me so like i know no matter what i am literally never alone mm. like and that's so been good. something like that's especially being in la that's been such a lie from the enemy of like you don't have anybody out here like you're so alone you don't have anybody who understands you like that absolute feeling of loneliness and god responding and being like yeah well i'm here <laughs> and angels are here and like you're never alone like, you will never, ever, ever be alone. That's been something that's been so helpful, just knowing that God is going to war for me. Mm -hmm. That's so dope. How do you... Okay, so this is one thing, and, and maybe I'm getting a little crazy here, but, like, we're in this realm. Like, how do you... Like, how do you see the spiritual realm? Like, because there's so many things going on mm -hmm. in another dimension. Like, how has that become real to you? Like, yeah. Um, part of this is what's... What's fun for me is I feel like God's given me, I love poetry. I read a lot and write a lot of poetry. And I feel like I think like a poet more than a theologian sometimes. Um, I think, for example, like you look at history, like the medieval theologians were saying some really interesting stuff, but like the medieval like painters and artists were saying some really cool stuff too about the Lord. Like they had a totally different perspective on it. So when I think about the supernatural, I think God has just given me like a, a more poetic imaginative mind. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't have trouble imagining like literal angels and demons, like fighting. Like I 100, that's my brain. Like whether that's legit or not, 100%, I think that they are like throwing hands, like for real, like not a joke. Like you read about it in Daniel when the angel comes to Daniel and he's like, yo dude, I was supposed to be here two weeks ago, but the prince of Persia and like these princes like resisted me. Like, I don't have the most like well fleshed out supernatural understanding. Like I don't know exactly know the strategy mm -hmm. of Satan or anything, but I know that like there are, he's that he's like appointed. I mean, that's basically the theory is he's appointed like leaders over regions and stuff like that. Like, and there's a great story in the book of acts. I believe it's, it's Acts 17 or 19. Um, I need to like memorize the scriptures I reference because every single time I'm like, I think it's here, but, uh, <laughs> There's a story where these two, these, these young gentlemen, they hear about the church of Acts, like casting demons out. And they like, they go to this man they know to be demon possessed. And they're like, oh, in the name of Jesus and in the name of Paul. And the demons are like, Jesus we know. And Paul, we've heard of or we know, but we have no idea who you are. And then they beat him up, like totally beat him up, strip him naked. And it's, they run away. It's like, yeah, you just got owned. Um, but I always think it's interesting. Like the demons knew about Paul whatever that means, like <laughs> mm -hmm. the demons had rumors about him. They knew about Paul. There was probably demons like appointed to mess with Paul. And so I really think that like, you know, if you're a Christian and you're living it out, 
and you are a threat to the dominion of darkness and you are a warrior in the kingdom of God spreading the you know kingdom ideal everywhere you go like I I think that the the dominion of darkness is worried about you dude it's so funny two weeks ago me and me and Jacob he's right here we were talking and he was like I just want to make an exchange with God and just let God just let me just slay demons like just for one time dude. It'd be like, so dope. I know, give me, like, give me like, a fire sword. No, give me a like, fire sword right now. And he's being dead serious. Like, it, he's like, just let me slay him, bro. <laughs> but like, man, hey, maybe God will let you. They know about you, bro. Just freaking. I think you're spot on, dude. Like, if you got to think about the words literally. If there's a kingdom, okay, there's leadership. There has to be a government. If there's government, there's war, which God constantly talks about in the Bible. Yeah, it's and going on right now, too. It's happening. It's happening before our eyes, and I, I think we just can't comprehend, or I don't know if God even allows us to understand how how the depth of everything that's happening. I mean, you think like <clears throat> like in the New Testament when people meet angels and they're like, "Be not afraid," and they get all scared. Imagine if right now, terrified, I could see all the time <laughs> that demons and angels were not just there but fighting. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think I imagine it like you've seen the movie Man of Steel. Yes, you know when the uh, Superman is fighting the uh, forget the guy's name, but the other guy from Krypton or Crypt is that what it's called? Yeah, whatever the other super super guy, and they're like they're fighting and like buildings are being destroyed and stuff. Like that's what's going on in my mind. If I'm a bystander in that situation, I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. So like, praise God, I can't see the spiritual world because what <laughs> what they're like? There's a conflict happening. Okay, I'm good. I don't know if I want to see. Yes. Because well, they don't just look like dudes, you know? No, There's something no. crazy going on here. And it would be, it'd be cool to see if the angels are, like, always winning. But, like, it seems like sometimes they're not always winning. Like, there's, right. like, a conflict going on. So, yeah, supernatural stuff is crazy. There's a book that, like, everybody talks about called The Unseen Realm. It's, like, it's a textbook on the issue. And, you know, it, it references a lot of, from what I, I haven't read it, but from what I understand, it references a lot of, like, you know, Hebrew like mystic texts and stuff like that and Christian mystics uh, to build. So it's like, it's a lot of hypothetical, but it's very much, I mean, I can't say I like recommend it, but everyone I know that's read it is like, it's the most insane description of the spiritual world I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, so I'm reading that for yeah, sure. Maybe, bro. maybe we should all read it. Put the it's, link, pretty, it's a, it's a link in the book. bio, link in the bio. Link in the yeah. bio. <laughs> all right, man. So listen, I didn't go to college for any of this pastor's kid that's it and then just jumped into it but apologetics has been one thing that like i've always wanted to know and understand more about can you just kind of explain what that is yeah um apologetics is like a, i forget what the exact word means so i'm trying to think of like the greek word what a, that's such a stupid explanation anyway it's just being able to defend the things that you believe um and know why and explain it uh, so that's all I really, I mean, it's just having consistent, eloquent arguments for why you believe what you believe. Uh, so apologetics can come down to like more practical, like theological things, or it can be like these big scientific, historical. What What have things. you seen to be the ones that like people really want to know about? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's all the way around. Yes. People want to know, you know, they want to know why I believe Jesus is God, for example. So when I'm explaining scripturally and making arguments for Jesus being God, that's an act of apologetics. 
Um, but we tend to think of it as like arguments for the faith in general when we're talking to like atheists and people who are like believe other faiths. Um, so I, and I think there are a lot of people that are interested in that. I was drawn to it not because it was like, like it, it wasn't actually a curiosity of mine to start out with. I've always believed in God my whole life. I never identified as agnostic. I never identified as anything other than Christian. Mm -hmm. I grew up loving church, believed in Jesus, just didn't really know him super personally until I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, but I always believed in him. There was like, I, I remember a couple nights in like fifth grade, like being, going to sleep and like freaking out, being like, what's going to happen when I die when I was like 11 years old. But other than that, it kind of just like faded. So I, it w I wasn't like, God, I need, I need proof of your existence. But I knew that other people did. And my grandma had the case for Christ at her house. And I was like, I want to read a book. So I read it uh, when I was going into my freshman year. I don't even, I don't think I ever finished it, but I read a lot of it and it got me interested. Like it definitely encouraged, like built, like I wasn't drawn to it, but I was still encouraged by it. Cause I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, it turns out I'm not insane for believing in the Bible. And there's all this like historical, there's a, a good historical case for why I should believe the Bible. And then my uh, freshman year of high school still, I was in a bio, I was in a freshman biology class and my teacher was like, loved the guy. He was a Christian. He was super dope. Um, and he was like, yeah, so it's like, a, it was like an end of the year project. And there was anything, you could do whatever you wanted. Like you could make a diorama or a, whatever if you wanted or like there were so many options kids came with poster boards or or like a video whatever but I was like I'm gonna make a powerpoint on the scientific proof of God's existence because I was like you all are gonna be evangelized too whether you like it or not because <laughs> I'm gonna it. get a grade for this so I just I learned about the universe and anthropic constants and the cosmic microwave can we go into background all that? and stuff yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about it in a long time, but yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so the TikToks that I first made that blew up were about anthropic constants. It's just like, it's just a basic argument that the the world existing as it does is very improbable. It's a statistical improbability that the world would exist as it is. Uh, there's some good arguments against anthropic constants, but it's basically like, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's like 10 to the like 36 or something like that. Or there's there's 10 to the 22 planets in the universe and the probability of one planet having these constants that have to exist in order for human life as we know it to, to be possible. The probability of one planet having all the constants they've identified is like super low. So like, you know, um, the force of gravity can't exceed a certain level or be too small. We can't be too close to the sun. It's like temperature can't be too high or too low or life can't come to be as it is, basically. Um, and so yeah, learning about that, it was like, oh, yeah, basically that just led to the conclusion of, um, intelligent design. So like just looking at our, I think the greatest apologetic argument in our universe is just looking and being like, dang, <laughs> like this is crazy. And I think there are a lot of people that are going to be content to be like, oh, it's, it's because of, you know, this theory or that. Um, but I just feel more inclined to be like, now nah, there's something about this. Mm -hmm. There's too much order. You know what yes. I mean? There's too much order to our universe. And I think that I think that God is a God of order, not a God of chaos, but sin has brought chaos into the world. Mm. I think from the very beginning, God was about separating order and chaos. Like the words in Hebrew for night and day are chaos and order, basically, is what they convey. It's mm. so like from the beginning, he's been about separating order and chaos, and that's something that being made in the image of God that we know. So like, for example, humans are drawn to symmetry. Why? Because that's order 
right? Like we're drawn to order. Um, and I just think like, for me, it just came to a point where I was like, it just, it can't be coincidental. Mm-hmm. Some people are content to believe that it's coincidental and more power to them. Like whatever you want to believe dog. Uh, but for me, it was like, nah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not down with that. Yes. And so, yeah. And then there are, there are all these like theories I learned about where they are sort of suggesting the earth is like literally at the center of the exact middle of the universe, stuff like that. And I'm like, again, <laughs> it's like, if that's true, there's too much order to that, you know? Um, it just feels right. Doesn't feel right. To there think. has to be a creator. Yeah. There has to be, there has to be someone involved in all yes. this. Um, I just think like for me, my biggest argument has always been like the world is too beautiful. You know what I mean? Yes. The world is too beautiful for this to be an accident. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what that study just drove me to. I don't, I don't remember a ton of it cause I but stopped not, yeah. reading about the science, but I know there, I mean, there are tons of resources out there. Like I started reading about, like briefly started reading about like like metaphysics and stuff that points to God. And there's, I mean, I think the case for Christ was probably just one of the most fun experiences I had learning about this stuff, about manuscripts and all that. It was, he, he at least Robo wrote it really well. Um, but yeah, I think apologetics are super fun. Where do, where do you think that we come into the picture with the apologetics? Because yes, the world has order. Yes, it's beautiful. But then there's humans here. Yeah. And we're, the Bible says we're made in God's image. Like that can't be an accident either. Right. Yeah. I don't feel like humans are an accident. Yeah. That's just kind of like, I mean, that, that was part of the, part of it for me too, was looking at like how intricately and carefully designed humans are and life is as a whole. And just being like, dude, no way. There's no way. And I, I don't know. There's always, there's that faith, the statement people say, like, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist or whatever. That's uh, Frank Turek is what mm-hmm. his book is called. He's a, he's a, He's a great apologist, knows a lot more than I do. He's a genius. Um, and it's that's facts. I read that and I'm like, I look at human life and I'm like, no, we're too complex. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't sit right with me. And of course, I'm not a biologist. Like, I'm, yeah. not a, I'm not a physicist or anything. Like, I'm not like the most credible scientific source. I'm just your average guy. But I think that like, that's everybody else too. Everybody else is average people. And I don't think it takes that much for the average person to just look and be like, I don't know, man. This is a little crazy yep. that we would think that this was like coincidence, you know? So like, what, what would you say here? I want to, I want to say something before I say this, but like, if you are an atheist or if you're watching this, number one, we love you. I, I believe that God wants to reach you and you might not believe that, but what would you say to the atheist, bro? Like that is, is watching this and it's like BS. Yeah. Um, well, the place I've come to is it's it's never about there not being enough proof. There's not a single person I know that like that I've seen go from atheist to Christian that was like there are very few people rather I should say that were like all right I've been convinced of it you know unless you're like a hyper intellectual like that's kind of like C.S. Lewis's story right um, but I think that most people who are in that place where they're like unsure about the existence of God it's really just like. They don't know how God feels about them or how he thinks about them. They're mm-hmm. not interested with the God of Christianity because they don't know what he's like. Mm. And so I just kind of have to be like, life with this God is so much better than life without him. I've done yeah. both. I've done both. I've lived in the other side of things and life with God is better. That's been like one of my uh, arguments I just keep coming back to is like 
on a practical level, if you look at the, the Christian way of life, it's better for you. So like, even if, even if you don't want to be convinced of God, if you live life like a Christian, you will be happier. Mm. You'll be more satisfied. You'll be more fulfilled and your life will be better. If you right now, as a non-Christian, sat down and read the entire book of Proverbs and listened to it and followed what it said, your life would be better. You'd be a wiser, better person. Like crazy. Um, and so it's like, then you bring God in the picture and it's like, yeah, living this way is really great for me, but it's most fulfilling because God is involved. And so I don't know, there's always going to be a part of Christianity and religion and following God that's like, you have to take a step of faith. Yes. But it's really, I really don't think that anybody has to like blindly, like truly, truly blindly believe. I really think that anybody right now could ask God to reveal himself to them and he would. One way or another, he's going to do it. I think that that's like, I don't know. I think he likes to show up for people. And so it's so crazy that you say in the, it, it's it's so simple, right? At the end of the day, God in all of his complexity, it's simple. Mm-hmm. It's just choosing to believe, right? And I remember when my wife, she uh, she runs a cocktail bar in, in Dallas, and she has a regular who's an atheist, but he's a, he's a regular. He goes every few nights, gets drinks, gets drunk with his buddies, and he hangs out. And uh, that Sunday before... He, uh, one of his friends came to church and he came up for prayer. I never prayed for anybody's healing, but he came up. He's like, yeah, dude, I have like a tumor in my body and I like could probably die and I need you to pray for healing. And I'm like, I've never done that, but I'll just pray. So I just real simple. God, would you just heal this guy? Do what only you could do in Jesus name. Amen. Really simple. I didn't know he was friends with the regular at the bar that my wife runs. So the dude is drunk. He's drinking, but he tells my wife, he said, Hey, is your your husband Hector from that church down the street? And she's like, yeah. He's like, well, he prayed for my friend, and he went to the hospital, and the tumor's gone. But I say this to say, like, op- open-handedly, like, whether that was the prayer or not, like, God did something in that dude's life, and it reached this guy who openly didn't believe in the yeah. Lord. So I might not be like hyper intellectual. And I, I say this all to say to be an encouragement to people. It's like your testimony might reach somebody who you feel like is unreachable yep. and you just being open and being the person that you are. Cause I know the fear can be like, I don't know how to reach this guy because he's a genius. Yes. Jordan, Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan, like they're Love like, them. right. They're like not Christian, but now I constantly see clips of them talking about God. Yes. And there's a shift in this mindset and, it's all about experience at the end of the day that I see from their stories and what they're verbalizing and all that. Generally, when I talk to people who aren't Christians, my question isn't like, like, you know, why isn't, what, what evidence do you need to believe in God? Go it's to sleep, my child. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. But it's like, it's, it's like, how, how are you? Because even, I can't imagine doing life without Jesus involved. Yep. I just can't imagine it. Because life sucks to begin with. Like, life is hard. And feeling not having God next to me through all of that, oh, man, that sounds awful. And so it's just like, I know that the Lord has brought me so much joy and that the Lord, like, cares about me so much. I want everyone else to know that, too. And, and it's cool because it's like, it's not just for you. It's for everyone, no matter what they've been through. And it's like, I think for a long time, I lived with, like, blinders. And I didn't understand how big and how out of the box God really was. Yeah. And it's like, I think sometimes religion can 
legalism and religion can shrink it down and I have to be like this, but anyone watching can literally have an amazing moment with God and he'll change. But it's, it's the perspective you see it through. It's the expectation. Just, there is no expectation. Just go, God, I need you. And he, and he'll answer. I think that's the coolest thing because it's not like, it's not like he's like, all right, well, you know, they got to say four prayers and no, it's like, God, I freaking need you right now. I have depression. Like, I don't even believe in you, but if you're real, like talk to him like that. It was that. So back to like the whole being suicidal and all of that, a lot of that for me was attached to my belief in God because that was out the window. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't like believe in the Lord. I couldn't believe like, it was the whole premise of what everybody says. If, if God is good, then why evil, right? If God is good, then why do I feel this way? Why do I hate myself? Why do I, I have a perfect wife. I have an amazing church. I have friends. I have everybody, but I hate myself. So like, God, you're like, you're not real. I don't feel like you're showing up in this situation in my life. But in that moment, bro, like that's all I can do is like, I need you, God. And there was a time in my life, dude, I would run three to six miles a day, every day at midnight. That's the only sort of like, that was my addiction. It's like, I need to run at midnight and work out and all those things. And and in those moments of loneliness, I would have to declare like, God, I do not believe in you, but I'm going to say it with my mouth verbally that I believe in you until I do it because I know it's the right thing to do. Mm. And out of that obedience, like came revelation. And not only that, we talked about this on our last podcast, but like, that is like, that's your subconscious, your subconscious, that hole in you knows, I need God. Even though you, that you say you don't believe, mm-hmm. it's like your inner, your inner being is saying, I know I have to. Bro, right? Im- everyone, Im- everyone image, is programmed. Image yes. of God. He's in us. Right. Yeah. He's in us, dude. Yeah, I think that's, that's like the simple truth. This is the simple truth that I've been kind of just preaching lately is like, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, but. The primary purpose of my existence is to be near to God. Intimacy with God is why I exist. He made me to enjoy me. And he enjoys me most when I enjoy him most. That's just how it goes. And so like, like God didn't make humanity because he was lacking anything. He made us purely for his own enjoyment. Like that's crazy. So just like coming to understand that like God likes me. Like he made me to enjoy me. He, He likes me, bro. He likes my personality. He likes hearing from me. And so, and then just coming to understand Christianity is so much better when you have this perspective that I exist to be near to Jesus. That's, that's priority number one is just to be close to God. And so it's like, man, I can't think like, I don't even want to imagine what life would be like if this wasn't the most important part of my life, you know? And so I think, I think people have that response of like, oh, whatever works for you. You know, if Christianity works for you, then, you know, you do your thing. It's like, man, I wish you understood that it's it's meant to work for everybody. Right. Everybody has this desire and need for God that's been put in them from the beginning, and Jesus is the way. Like John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Like, he's the path you've been looking for, he's the truth you don't have, and he's the life that you need. Like, he's all he's everything, you know? And so my whole my whole perspective on the world is informed by like the lenses of Christian, the lens of the Holy spirit that I put on. Yes. Like I can't imagine living in this world without Jesus, dude. I can't imagine it. And so it's just always like when I talk to people who aren't Christians, it's like, dude, you know that Jesus has so much more for you that Jesus, that God created you and he cares about you and he wants to be close to you. Like that's more of a, I think an emotional appeal 
But I think that that's what pe- I think that's what for, for most people what they need is just to know that God is chasing after them, that He cares about them, yes. and that like He's what they're looking for. But you you living that out is it always plants a seed. Anytime you're just showcasing your lifestyle and the way that you love the Lord and how you live it out, you're like throwing little seeds out, especially when you're around friends. Dude, there's so many of my friends. I grew up in the hood. And <laughs> a lot of these people, like, they don't even know what we're talking about right now. Like, if if you said apologetics, they'd be like, what are you talking about? I know what a Glock is. Like, that's what I know, right? Like, to- different vocabulary. Different, like, this doesn't make, it doesn't can't be, like, comprehended for the most part of the people that I grew up with. But what's funny is me showcasing my life with them and always being the Christian kid, a part of that community. I'm telling you the countless amount of conversations that I've had in my life now as an adult where they will come to me like, hey, dude, I, I know you're like, you like love God, right? And they'll open up to me yeah. and they want to talk. And they're, but just because of the way that I showcased my life and how I loved God, they, it's innate in them to need the Lord. And they don't know that they need him until they yeah. need him. It's like a healthy envy. They're like, yes. I want what that guy has. Yes. 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 Like I need I need some of that. I want whatever he's on. You know what I mean? Yes. There's a uh there's a um there's this girl that I went to elementary school with. And I have not seen her since fifth grade. But she goes to UCLA now. And uh, my friends and I were just there and I saw her for the first time since I was literally eleven years old, which is crazy. Uh but she was just asking about you know, when I, when the whole Jesus thing started basically. And part of the conversation just went to like, it's so nice being at such a young age and having answers to life's questions. Mm. Like it is, it's so nice being able to be like, yeah, I'm 19. I know why I exist. It's not something I'm searching about. Like I'm not confused. Yep. I know why I exist. I know why I'm here. I don't have this like existential dread because it was kind of initiated by her being like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I literally never have to feel that way. Even if I don't know the exact vision of where I'm going, right. I, God guides my steps. What? That is so nice to believe. Yes. Like the, the basic like tenets of Christianity are so dope to believe. Like it's so comforting. And so I think some people will look at that and be like, oh yeah, like you, you just believe that because, because it makes you feel good or whatever. And it's like, no, but that is a pro. Mm-hmm. Like being able to believe that God cares about me, that God is guiding my steps, that God is no matter what, working everything for good. Like having that sense of there's someone ordering my steps. Like I'm not alone. Not everything is up to me, but there's actually someone in control of all this. Oh my God. Wow. That so is so nice. off the shoulder. That's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to control my own journey. Like I can enjoy I can I can have joy and be in this moment and yeah. know that God's I don't have to perform yep. to earn the love of God. And it's funny you say perform because when you said purpose earlier, I think the church gets purpose mixed up with what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But literally I think the definition of a purpose is like the reason that you exist. Right. Our purpose is to be in relationship with God. And from that comes what we do. Right. Purpose is about being. Right. It's right? not so, like yeah. And my my being leads to doing. Right. So my purpose is to be near to God. Like I said, my purpose is to be with Jesus. That's my purpose. That's why I exist. That's my reason to wake up every single day. Human being. Right. <laughs> I got to wake up and be with Jesus today. Like Dude. that's, that's number one. And that leads to doing. Why, why am I passionate about preaching? Like people, why am I at 19? Like what, why do I care? Why? Because being with Jesus is priority number one. Right. And that flows out of me. So not everybody is going to be a preacher, but that's just what it's looked like for me. 
that Jesus is like, yeah, not only, not only is my, like my number one desire for you to just be my friend and my child, but also you get to like, there's Jesus's words is you get to be in on the father's business. Yes. That's so cool. I no longer call you slaves. I now call you friends because I tell you everything the father tells me. Like I'm bringing you into the father's business. Like I get to be involved. I get to be used by this God. So not only is he like, yeah, spend time with me. I'll give you the purpose of just being my friend, but also we're going to be coworkers is the language that, that is used in the new Testament. And you can't run the business into the ground because God has you covered. Yeah. No matter what you do, He's going to have you covered. Well, Elijah, I just, last thing is, what do you want to say to the people watching? What's the one thing? There's so many one things. <laughs> There's so many possibilities. This is, a, this is so much pressure in this question. Um, I think the one, should I look in the camera? Should I look yeah. at them? Hey. Yes. <laughs> you single? No, okay. Uh, <laughs> we are working through things, JP. <laughs> It'll be all right. Um, all right. Go to my... Speak. Go to sleep, my child. <laughs> Judas That's what he wanted to say to him. <laughs> what a great guy. Uh, my, I think the scripture I've been really stuck on the past few days is Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2. And uh, I'll paraphrase most of it. It basically says, the writer of Hebrews, Priscilla. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. I'm kidding. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Whoever you think wrote it. Some people say Paul, and I'm like, you're stupid. Have you read the Bible before? <laughs> it doesn't sound like Paul at all. Uh, but... Anyway, I think I think Hebrews has a little bit of a feminine touch. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh! Um, Blushing. The script, the scripture says to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, which I love already. Is just like all the weight that you carry and all the sin in your life, just lay it aside and look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And it says that who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. The the little phrase there that I love is for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So. The picture that I get and that I've been conveying to people is just this image of Jesus at the right hand of God looking at humanity with a smile on his face because he considers that the cross was worth it. Mm. Uh, that it was that he now Jesus feels joy in heaven and he feels satisfied with the work that he did because of what it accomplished. So if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a Christian, Jesus counts your existence as joy. You're following of him as joy. And so the the way that I just like to explain it to people is that if you had been the one person that the cross worked for, Jesus would still count it joy. He would still say that it was worth it. So I think there's this uh, there's this phrase that goes around all the time of like, you're not enough and that's okay. And there's truth to that. You're not enough to merit the cross. You couldn't have been good enough to make Jesus do it. But he made you and he liked you and he loved you enough to say, I want to achieve that person. I'm going to win that person back from sin and from death and from Satan and claim them as my own. And I'm going to feel joy for the rest of eternity because of it. So just know that if you are a Christian, you bring a smile to the face of God every day because you are why he died and you are why he rose again. And we praise him for it every day. And if you're not a Christian, he died for you too. So you should put your trust in him. So that's what I would say. Amen. Thank you.